Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. I'm meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. And I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags. This is a podcast all about weather. We are two broadcast meteorologists in Dayton, Ohio. And we just can't stop talking about weather. So when we're not on TV, we figured why not jump behind the mic to answer your weather questions and talk about all things meteorology. Now remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey McCall. Hey there, Kirsty. We've got a pretty interesting time of uh, time of the year. Yeah, I know. We're coming out of the winter months and transitioning into the spring and summer months, so we know that that usually leads to more active weather. Oh yeah, I mean some severe weather. Uh, April, especially in the Miami Valley, can be pretty active for us. Mm-hmm. This usually kicks off our severe weather season. Um, we start to see more severe thunderstorm warnings, uh, you know, perhaps some tornado warnings. And we did just uh, recently, our last podcast, we talked with Don Parker from mm-hmm. Skywarn uh, talking about uh, severe weather train spotter programs that they have to teach the community right. how to be prepared for severe weather season. Because it is. It's so important. Um, you know, they'll do the statewide tornado drill, which is just for the little kids. I think it's a great learning experience. Mm-hmm. It's a good awareness. Um, it's also a nice time of year for us because we go out on a lot of school talks. A lot of the mm-hmm. schools will start doing their weather um, sections in spring. Yeah. And then we can kind of talk to the little ones and make sure they're not as nervous about what thunderstorms are and what tornadoes are. Yeah, and they'll um, do their tornado drills. And if yeah. you didn't get a chance to listen to our last podcast, it was podcast three. I think it's a really great one yes. to uh, hear from a man that has been doing this for many, many years mm-hmm. and teaching the public how to um, understand what it's like during severe weather and how to report it and the process of uh, you and the community reporting it and that message getting to the National Weather Service. Yeah, I agree. I think it's... Uh, it was a really good interview with Don. He's a big part of the Dayton community, of course, here in the Miami Valley. But we talk about what Skywarn is, and that is something across the country that people mm-hmm. can get involved with. So go back and listen to that. Um, you know, we talk a lot, as we just had mentioned, about severe weather season, and April kicks it off. And we have a special guest mm-hmm. that has dealt with severe weather, hurricanes, mm-hmm. winter storms, a little bit of everything. Clearly, the Miami Valley gives us uh, anything you could ever want when it comes to weather. Um, but she has left the Miami Valley many a times in yes. her years as a reporter and transitioned. So Gabrielle Enright is actually <laughs> our special guest today. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Gabby. Yeah. She has worked at WHIO for more than 20 years, and her story is a really great one. She started as a camera operator and actually worked her way up to the anchor desk. She anchors with me every morning on daybreak. Uh, 425 we start. She is up bright and early. 
uh, on the desk then. She heads out. She reports. She grew up in the Miami Valley, which gives, I mean, everyone knows Gabby. If, if you're listening and you're a local, mm-hmm. I know you know who Gabrielle Enright is. Uh, she's got a great husband who we know. She lives on a farm. She's got some awesome animals and a motorcycle. Um, <laughs> Just throw that in there. Sure add that. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that everyone, you know, gets to know a little bit more about you than 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 what's just on paper. But um, we were kind of talking just a few minutes ago about all that you have been to, Gabby. And right. So she has been deployed with Ohio Task Force One um, when they go out and provide aid for things like major hurricanes, major flooding events, natural know, disasters, natural disasters, period. And first of all, Gabby, let's talk for people that maybe don't know what Ohio Task Force One is. What is it? Oh, Ohio Task Force One is a collection. It's a FEMA agency that is uh, built up of professionals. I mean, you've got logistics, you've got firemen, you have doctors, you have all these people that basically collaborate. And there's usually about 80 on a team. Mm -hmm. And they have a base where they have all their supplies and then they have to be ready to go at a moment's notice when there's a disaster. And then they're deployed all over the country and sometimes even the world. I didn't know that they would leave the country to go elsewhere. It just depends. Uh, they were they were not that long ago deployed uh, to different places just to help out with yeah. with some of those um, big disasters. You know, they often have skill sets that can get water running again, or uh, right. they can take supplies or provide aid. So these are really incredible people. Now, when you've gone to uh, some of these natural disaster events, uh, are you with the same people, or do you see that there are you know, different guys coming along. Guys and gals, do they yeah. mix, you know, do, have they changed throughout the years maybe or, you know? There's a roster and a, a lot of people, they love this. They yeah. live for this. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of like us, you know, you guys see a weather event and you're all in. Um, that's the way these folks are. They're type A personalities. They want to yeah. get out there. They want to get involved and they want to help. I mean, nobody wants really to go to work because that means that there's something yeah. happening that they need help. But these are the people that really want to help. And so if something's happening, they want to be out there. The roster does change. I mean, people retire. Yeah. Uh, maybe family situations change mm-hmm. dynamics. Uh, but a lot of them, many of them I've traveled with, I've been on five different deployments in probably the last 10 years. And uh, it's the same videographer, Chuck Hamlin, myself. (laughs) Yeah, We're like the Green County Bureau, but we're also the team that seems to get deployed everywhere. And we're often with the same people. And it's really a big family. Yeah. What, um, let's talk, I guess, a little bit about what is one of the deployments you've been on? I guess the one that I guess was either the most impactful to you or sticks out the most in your mind. I have to say Harvey. Mm -hmm. And um, that was the most recent, but it was also the most impactful because you talk a lot about severe weather preparedness, and that's mm-hmm. what kind of the focus is right now. The rain hit in areas that people never thought would flood mm-hmm. or flood to that extent. I mean, when you're talking about Houston and people were using boats in the middle of the city, that's something that we really hadn't done before. And mm-hmm. so they were as prepared as they thought they needed to be a lot of places. And then all of a sudden, it didn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. So they were doing their best to try and be prepared, but a lot of people never really maybe prepared to the extent they needed to because they never, it was historic. Yeah. Uh, the amount of rain was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of damage was yeah. unbelievable, but the spirit was also unbelievable. And I feel like that is what is most memorable to me. Many of these people lost everything. And if they had a stove that worked, they were making me biscuits when I saw Aww. them. Now, I remember when you were down there, because uh, you were sending back stories to us, and there was... Um I feel like you were down there several days before you actually were allowed to go out into the elements. 
was it because it was too dangerous or what can you ex- talk a little bit about that sure. experience when you're when you're embedded with the FEMA team that means you can go anywhere that they can go however you have to be prepared to know that you may not come back to that location. So we had our van with us, and it wasn't safe to take the van because they were using semis, and they mm-hmm. were using box trucks because the flooding was so high. So if we left with the team, we had to be able to stay with them or get back to where we were going. And sometimes they're fluid. They don't come back. Right. So we had to stay a little bit and wait for them to go on a mission where they were going to return because – they're not going to say, hey, there's people that need help rescuing. Oh, by the way, we need to get Chuck and Gabby back to their news van. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, we're, we're a priority for them because they want us to tell their stories so they can see, like the public can see where the tax dollars are going. Mm-hmm. However, when there's somebody that needs rescuing, Chuck and Gabby are staying right there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. So you were down there for yeah, how, how many, many days? days? Um, I think the whole trip was about seven days. How and do I was you on pack big for that. You don't. <laughs> um, I, I didn't shower for a couple of days. Yeah. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, Chuck and I've covered enough of these. We knew that we needed water. We knew that we needed some food. We mm-hmm. knew that we needed blankets. We knew that we needed some things that would self, that, like keep us sustainable um, without mooching off the resources of people right, elsewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like you have to you have to be prepared that whatever you bring to eat may be the only thing that you bring. Yeah. Um the water, you know, a lot of times there's not running running water. When I was in Lumberton where the dam was about to collapse. And that was there, for Matthew, right? Or yeah, yeah, that was Matthew. Um it was unbelievable because I'm standing right next to the network news people. Uh, in the same location because we were the only ones that had FEMA credentials. And this was a national disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone was watching it, and there was no running water. There was no way to to, to go to the restroom. You had to be creative. You had to wash your hands yeah. with bottled water. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's – and then you realize, okay, I'm dealing with this, and I'm telling a story, but there are people that live here. Right. Yes. You like, know, this is like you get day. to leave. That's we get to leave. Day. Right. Yeah, we're walking through things where there's wastewater and we have boots on. But this is this is life. Mm-hmm. for people yeah. it's very very um humbling oh, yeah wow. and so to transition a little bit because you have been a part of so many so mm-hmm. we had hurricane harvey that hit texas sure. the last time texas was hit by a hurricane was hurricane ike in 2008 and believe it or not you were a part, of, a part of that, part of that well. i know well. <laughs> i'm old <laughs> um, you know I, I when i first got into this business i would have never thought that i would be kind of like the quote-unquote reporter known for storm chasing because yeah. although a lot of my friends through the years have been yeah. meteorologists i adore both of you um I never would have thought that was kind of my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I love the stories that come out of it because the people, they're really resilient. They're really resourceful. And I think that it teaches us all what we need to know. And Ike, it was really strange. I was chasing um, all these different places uh, with Hurricane, with the task force, and mm-hmm. there was damage. But mm-hmm. there was more damage when I got back to the Miami Valley because we had the windstorm here. Yeah. I mean, we were without power for days. And then I was, I left and I came back to worse conditions here. Right. It was strange. And, and to talk about, we were just saying with the Harvey and the, and, um, the dam is that you, f- you feel, you know, sadness for the people knowing that they can't leave. Now yeah. you've been chasing this and you're coming home to this. And so now works. you are yeah. those people. Sure. Yeah. Can you talk about what it was like? For you, personally, coming back to Ike? Well, coming back for me, the one thing I didn't know <laughs> until <laughs> I uh, until Ike was that when you live on a farm and you have a well um, and you lose power, you lose water. You lose the pump. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, it, and that sounds really simple. 
and there's a lot of people that probably knew that, but I was new to the country. <laughs> yes. And so I'm thinking to myself, my husband set up a generator. Well, then there were generator concerns for people in the Miami Valley. A lot of people were getting them but didn't know how to use them. And so it just, you you look at all of this and you really have this appreciation for the simple thing like flushing the toilet right. or yeah. washing your hands. And I had gone around and I went. remember going to a McDonald's that was super busy. And I had a ball cap on and once again hadn't showered, which by this time, right. covering all the hurricanes, right. I was kind of getting used to. Right, you think you're going to come home to a hot shower. <laughs> nope. <laughs> these people were like, I don't have food. And I said, girl, I live in the country. I don't have water, you know? And, and it really does kind of bring you back down to a level of going, okay, you know what? It's the simple things. Yeah. It really is. It's not about all the fancy stuff. It's the common things we all need to survive that people are literally fighting for in mm-hmm. certain places after a disaster. And it's scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, it could probably get very scary. When it can. It's limited resources, and, and you know people want to protect their family and keep them going, and it can get kind of desperate and yeah. scary. Yeah, I mean, the emotions really are raw. Yeah. yeah. You know? Now, before I came uh, to the Midwest, I lived in uh, the Northeast. I lived in New York, and I was there when Hurricane Irene came through. And this was two years before, before Sandy. Sandy. And, you know, I remember the fear of, oh, my goodness, this is going to come in during high tide. The city is going to be underwater. And that didn't pan out that way. But I will tell you that, um, you know, I was right there just about 40 miles north of the city and the winds. You couldn't get across the bridges. They were shut down for 24 hours because the winds were so strong. But it was interior New Jersey, New York, Vermont and New Hampshire that were flooded. Um, and that was just tragic. You were also a part of that Irene trip. I was. Uh, again, a lot of times task force will be staged in different locations. So we were kind of chasing wherever the resources were. And as the storm moved, they would move us. And sometimes the team would go to work and sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes yeah. they would be uh, just waiting to find out if there were people that needed help or maybe crews that needed relieved. You know, the whole goal for FEMA is not to just come into an area and take over. Yeah. It's local resources first and then it goes to state and then it goes to FEMA. And so they have to wait for those teams to be tapped out, which can happen so easily because a lot of times in those scenarios, the firefighters, the police officers, the first responders, their homes are affected too. Right. So their lives you know, are in shambles as they're trying to help others, and then it just goes like that. So, yeah, I, I don't remember the damage being as severe where I was mm-hmm. as some of what you're describing, but I saw a lot of sli- like mudslides. Yeah, because or, of how yeah. much rain. Right, yeah. and, and I saw a lot of communities that you would just walk down the street by the firehouse and there'd be mud up to your ankles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of how much rainfall. So we've talked a lot about hurricanes. Yes. Um, but we've had severe weather in the Miami Valley, and I know you've been a part of going to homes and, and areas that have been damaged by tornadic activity. Absolutely. Is there one that sticks out in your mind? I, I, you know, obviously I've been covering Greene County for so long. So I would remember in 2000, I was still kind of a producer, but borderline reporter. I was moving that into the, in front of the camera instead of behind. And, um, you know, that's an area that people are very sensitive in in that area because it's been hit so many times. And, you know, a lot of people, they know that uh, for Xenia, but they're a very strong community. They don't want to be known as the right, place that gets hit tornado. by a tornado. Yeah. And, and if you really look at the area, there's a lot of places. It, it's not just Xenia. Yes, no. It's just it's impactful when you think about, uh, you know, from the 70s. Well, mm-hmm. you get one big, you know, huge F5 tornado that yeah. hits a city. Those are places that you don't forget. You yeah. know, sure. Joplin, Reno, you yes. know, you're not going to forget those names and every time they get hit by something severe like that. Right. Well, I, I remember that. that. And, and then also the one most recently in Clark County that um, went down the main Park drag. Lane. Park Lane, yeah. yeah. And and I remember the Harmony restaurant. Um, yeah. so that day was very interesting to me because I remember 
I was about to go to bed, and I think I was in the bathtub, <laughs> and I heard the tornado siren. I mean, literally, but, you know, your news report comes out, yeah. and you, you hear the siren, you're like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. So I heard it, and I remember jumping up and looking out my window and then going out in the front yard. Don't worry, I did put clothes on. Good <laughs> <job>. <laughs> but, I mean, you're out on the farm, no one's around. Know, yeah, exactly. Right. But I did, I, that was enough of a memory for me that I just, I remember going out and looking, and then I was listening to you guys. Yeah. You were talking about it, you were tweeting, you were putting pictures, and then it hit not far, down on uh, 35 and Trayvon, I believe, is where there was some, mm-hmm. and yes, then so. it ended up going to Clark County. And I was wow. watching it go to Beaver Creek and then eventually Clark County. And I'm like, I know all of these places. I'm calling all these resources. I remember people were locked down at the Nutter Center. Yes. And I was I was basically facilitating. People were sending me photos. And the thing that I think is the most interesting now is that that tornado in Xenia from 2000 and where we are now, watching Eric Elwell mm-hmm. track the tornado, being able to show the images, the video. Yeah. Yeah. Then also the pictures coming in of damage right away. Yes. Storytelling has changed. Severe weather has changed. The information has changed. Things move so fast now yeah. right? that it's unbelievable to see the tornado that just hit or the damage seconds or minutes or even as it's happening. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is one of the most impactful things. It's really going to help science show how things are, yeah. are are coming together. But it's also just interesting. Yeah. yeah. People are so in, tap, uh, in tune to everything that's going on now. Now, because you've been a part of all of these events, I have to imagine that there are you know some things that you think about like are you do you feel that in your home you're more prepared yes like are you ever nervous like do you um, ever feel uncomfortable when you know we're going into severe weather well my husband's a fire chief and I, yes. so I'm here too <laughs> and if you knew him and if you knew yeah, him, yeah. right there's a sense we'll of safeness but I also I also think that you know we kind of take for granted I mean we're the type a that go out and we're not as scared of things if mm-hmm. you will or you know maybe Maybe that's true. It's We're used to this, so it's a common talking point for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, when he tells me we need to go downstairs, yeah, he's a storm spotter. So, yeah. I, I, you know, when, I, I, when he says, okay, let's go downstairs. Now, I will listen to you guys in the forecast. I'll call my family. Mm-hmm. I will pack up dog food. I will put toilet paper. <laughs> I will put everything, water, in the basement. I have a little section yeah. um, that is just for that. And if I'm, like, ready to pull all my animals, my family downstairs, you know, then then that's something that, you know, I, I take it seriously. Yeah. yeah. I do. But even you just saying that you have a, 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 a plan a plan, and you have the – you think, oh, make sure I have the dog food down in the basement. Yeah. Because, yeah. You, you know, you're thinking about you, your husband, you know, your children. Right. But your little furry kids, those are your babies, and, you know, you can't forget about them either. No. Well, and I think just in general having the conversation – the other thing I want to point out, though, too, is as grateful as I am for all the video and the pictures, you know, I don't want ever – you see some people taking chances. Right. And, you know, I remember taking video on my front porch, and it was – the lightning seemed to be in the distance yeah. until I took that photo, and then I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up. And I, I thought to myself, okay, you know, that's a little too close right. for me. Right, too close and, for and, and I do this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want somebody that doesn't do this to do exactly what I just did. You know, so mm-hmm. it, there's, there's that point of, okay – there's a time you need to really think about yourself. And Mm -hmm. even though we're glad you're documenting things, um, you know, think safety first. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, people are so tempted now, um, you know, to to take that picture. You've got these great smartphones, and it's so easy to want to just 
step outside and, and get a video. Yes, we've seen a lot of tornado videos mm-hmm. that were just like, oh my gosh, too close, too close for comfort. Please yeah. don't do that. So um, yeah, so that's great advice. If you're listening to this, of course, everyone would appreciate safe pictures, but mm-hmm. leave it to the professional storm chasers that you know are, are out. They know what they're doing and they know how to avoid the dangerous parts of a storm. Um, but question, Gab, because I, I mean, I don't know if I even realized, but Working in the same place for as long as you have is a big deal, especially in news. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it, it really is. is. It is. Um, what I guess just what do you have to say if someone is going into the business, uh, likes news, loves journalism? What advice would you give? Maybe if we've got someone that's a little bit younger that's listening mm-hmm. and kind of wondering, is it worth it? What's the path? I mean, you have a very, very impressive resume of of different not only weather events you've covered, political events, community stories, good, bad, the ugly. So what would you say to them? I would say that do it. You know, I, I've never been a fan of people that tell me in the business that you shouldn't go in the business. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I used to sell cars and people that sold cars say, you shouldn't do this. Well, <laughs> you're doing it. So why can't I? Yeah. I, um, I, you have to love people. You absolutely have to love people. And if you talk to somebody for five minutes they have a story. Mm-hmm. And if you take that time, whether you're sitting at a grocery store in line or you're at the bar mm-hmm. ordering a lunch, um, you know, if you take time to talk to somebody, chances are they're going to have some interesting information. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all we do, storytelling. You know, we're dealing with facts. We're dealing with um, all kinds of things. And I, I was able to stay in one place because I was constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. I started out one place. Uh, don't stay stagnant. Yeah. You know, keep reaching mm-hmm. for the stars. You might get the moon. Yeah. And and that's kind of my thing. It's as long as you keep moving. And, and I heard something very poignant recently. And they said, it's not the end title. It's the journey that makes your career. Yeah. So if you don't get exactly what you think you want, mm-hmm. that's probably because you didn't need it. Yeah. Ooh. And I, and I would have to say that that. That's true. Agree. It makes me feel great about the point that I'm at now and knowing that the journey is going to continue. Well, nothing nothing lets you know how long you've been here than putting up some file footage and then looking at your old hairdos, your old outfits. And, you know, I'm still not old. I mean, no, I don't you're not say old. I'm old. She is not old, I'm by not the way. Old. I started at 21. But when you really look back and you go, wow. Yeah. yeah, you know, but the, TV's evolving. I know, and that means we get more consultants that come in that tell you to <laughs> grow your hair keep long, cut our it hair, short, and keep changing our clothes. <laughs> I know. Well, I literally have grown up on television, and I've been very blessed, and yeah. I'm very happy. But I'm also glad that people like you guys have joined me yeah. here, and I hope you stay here forever. Well, Thank you know, you. you're one of the reasons that we like to stay here. I, you know, I've met a number of people in the business, and you are probably the truest person yes. that I've met. Meaning, you are. Business can change people. People can get jaded. And as much as you do, and I mean, when you're spending seven days in Hurricane Harvey and not getting a shower, (laughs) but still smiling and coming back and wanting to do it again, I mean, that just tells the type of person that you are. Well, I appreciate that. And I can also tell you that after covering Hurricane Harvey, I wouldn't be disappointed to teach someone else how to do it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you get to that point in your career. There's always something. There's always something you want to do. But I'm okay. I feel like right. if I had yeah. to look back, and I'm I'm happy with the the coverage that we did. I feel like we we told the stories accurately, mm-hmm. and um, we were empathetic to the people, mm-hmm. and um, we got really great images. And I think that we portrayed what was happening there. 
But I'd like to see some other people get the opportunity. Yeah. I think yeah. it's important for somebody else to know what safety you have to do. Yes. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you are out with the best team when it comes. Mm-hmm. I am with FEMA. Right. Yeah. But there's also a lot of danger associated with it. And I think other people, if they're going to do this, they need to know that. And that's the knowledge I'd like to pass on. Yeah. yeah. Taking that personal responsibility that. They can't be wasting their time trying to save <laughs> save Gabby and Chuck. <laughs> no, they've never had away. to, right? Yeah. They've always been so responsible. So, Gabby, um, you're not everyone that listens to this is in the Miami Valley. Sure. If you are not and you want to learn more about Gabrielle Enright and see her career and follow her stories, mm-hmm. um, how can people follow you? Facebook, Twitter, what do you have? Instagram, uh, what do you got? I've got all kinds of stuff. Um, <laughs> Gabrielle Enright on Facebook and at G Enright W H I O on Twitter. Kirsty and I and McCall, we are all very active on mm-hmm. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm starting the Instagram thing a little bit yeah. behind the scenes. I ended up with a lot of followers I didn't know I had. There you and go. And so I've started doing just behind the scenes stuff that you can't see anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And your name on Instagram? Uh, it's still, just I kept camera? it the same, at GNRightWHIO. So you can follow me on Twitter and find me on Instagram the same way. Yeah. And, and I'm starting Snapchat, but I'm you guys are ahead of me. I, I've put so much into the other ones. <laughs> I'm trying the whole Snapchat thing. I feel like thing, the Snapchat thing, is, okay. I'm fading with it as well. All right. It's fun, though. It is yeah. fun. It we'll is. Keep them all, we'll keep all the platforms alive. Yeah, basically. We're going to try. And, I mean, as long as you're following Kirstie and I, th- at any point within a day or two, you're going to see an a- overlap of Gabrielle yes, and Yes, you, you will <laughs> find her. She is, you'll see her. You'll commenting. We're all sharing. Um, yes. But, it, honestly, once again, wonderful Thank you so much for all you do in the Miami yeah. Valley. And I, I hope that everyone enjoyed listening to her stories as much as we just did. Yeah. And as we continue into severe weather season and hurricane season, I know that you're going to be active in going out and um, dealing with some events. Unfortunately, you know, they're bound to happen. And I'd love to have you back on and talk about that. Absolutely. I always say from like, I don't know, November to April, I'll be the girl in the blue hat with her hair pulled back in a ponytail. <laughs> That's usually me. So I'll see you. Okay. That was a great one, wasn't it? It was. I was very excited about the interview. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting because, I mean, we have been a part of working with Gabby when she was uh, with Matthew and with um, Harvey. Mm -hmm. So we've gotten to see the stories that she was feeding back and the images and um, you know, but it was really neat to listen to her talk about her experience with Ike and Irene and, um, you know, the 2000 tornado in in Zenith, some of the severe weather events that at that point, I mean... I wasn't at And how they're so interconnected. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know that she was a part of the Irene thing. And there I am. We haven't even met. Covering it where you had lived. Where I was. And to know that, you know, she was there a part of that as well with me. And it's like, I didn't realize we had that bond, that experience of like being a part of something. Right. Like looking Um, at the same storm, basically. Yeah. But I mean, she is by far, you know, our weather guru as far as going to damage yes i mean she, she just she's been to more than i've been to she's been to more than i have hands down yeah um she is one of those things where you know you learn about it in a textbook you can track it on the radar but she sees what happens after mm-hmm. and she also is just so gifted at telling the story of the mm-hmm. people because it is every every time you might be like whoa look at this storm blowing up and as a meteorologist you're like so excited about the science of what's yeah. happening in the atmosphere but every time our heart sinks knowing mm-hmm. oh my god there's the funnel yeah okay something you just got a touchdown and you know wherever it did yeah it might not be in a big open field with no one around yeah and she has the ability as she said to you know get the story out of people going and showing yeah. her care and and also she's so talented in right. the sense that the Harvey um I just remember being so impressed sometimes you get 
someplace and the technology just isn't going to work. She right. filmed all she of her stories work. on her phone. <laughs> yes. And, you know, she used a program on her phone to record her stories, record her interviews, and put these packages one, together. One, two minute packages yeah. together and all emailed off a them cell phone. Yeah. through her cell phone. With all this great technology. It was and amazing. She made it work. Yeah. yeah. So, Gabby, thanks. Thanks again. Yeah. Um, we're going to transition now. Yes. Uh, we will talk a little bit more than just Gabby, even though we could probably gush about her forever. Um, but let's mention a little bit. Uh, we always like to talk about astronomy and we always like to talk about something maybe interesting that people want to learn about mm-hmm. more or had a question in the past for us about. So in the sky, um, ending March and getting into April, we kind of said we were in like a desert of not getting any good meteor showers. Mm-hmm. February and, and March were kind of lame. Yeah. Ramping up into April, we'll start to see the meteor showers become more um, frequent, which is great. March, though, is also kind of cool just because it's two full moons. Mm-hmm. And I did some research, and of course, the second full moon is called a blue moon. Right. Not because it looks blue. It's just it's the just a term, term that was given mm-hmm. to it because it's a rarity. But I actually didn't realize. So in 2018, we had two full moons in January. We also have two full moons in March. That's like really odd. Really? Yes. You, you know, you could I get guess it makes sense. two full moons in one year. So like, you know, but to have two months where you have basically four full moons is very rare. Um, and I think the last time it happened was 1999. And then it won't happen again until 2037. Oh. Yeah. That's so, interesting. And props, in January, that was to, when we had the super blue blood moon. Yes. That was like every possible full moon you could have all at once. <laughs> yeah. um, very, very interesting stuff. But props to earthsky.com. They, uh, the guy that runs that connected website, it. it's awesome. He connected the dots. And when I was reading about it, I was like, I got to share this. Yeah. So. And I did Mind notice blown. earlier in the month when, you know, we're not at our full moon phase and uh, more crescent moon, waning moons, um, that helped me to see a couple of planets in the sky. Yes, which is so neat if the moon yeah. can be your guide. It's it was actually last, well, I'll say the Saturday before taping this, which was about like the 7th or the 8th mm-hmm. of March. Um I could see them vividly at like yeah. three o'clock in the morning. And I was so excited. Like I wanted to wake people up and tell them to go outside and see it because it, it was cool. Well, because if you find a planet in the sky, it is it is very obvious that it's not a star. Mm-hmm. And it just is so cool to look up and say, I know that's Venus. I know that's Saturn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a fun trick. It's fun to impress your friends. Um, <laughs> or yeah. they're like, okay, you're a dork. Right. They're but- like, I don't care. <laughs> So, but there are, what, more, a few more planets in, that you could see, right? Yeah. Uh, southeast before dawn, you can look for Saturn and Mars. They'll be bright and very close together uh, for the beginning of April. Again, they look like stars, but they don't right. twinkle. They're usually a little bit brighter. Yes. Um, and you'll be able to see them as we continue through through the yeah. early part of April. If you want to learn more about like what planets are in the sky... Kirsty, we talk about this all the time. You're our guru as far as knowing the astronomy stuff. She's constantly taping videos and putting them on our Sky Witness 7 page. Yeah. Um, and what's really cool about Sky Witness 7, there's um, a feature at the bottom where it links to the hashtag Sky Witness 7 mm-hmm. for Twitter. Yeah. So if you're someone that likes to go out and take photos of the sky, it doesn't have to be planets. You right. Know, it could be anything, anything that you find interesting or beautiful. Anything interesting. You can take a picture and use the hashtag Sky Witness 7 and it'll get placed on our Twitter feed on our website. Yeah, on our website. From wherever can then can look at some of your beautiful photos. So WHAO.com, there's a weather tab. And once you click that, you will see the Sky Witness 7 page. And that's where you can get all that info, um, which, yes, McCall and I, we're updating it constantly, making sure that there's everything you could ever want. And there's the countdown to like whatever yeah, the, next like the next event meteor is. Shower so it's the Lyrid or... meteor shower, correct? Yep. 
Yep, I think it's the end of April. Mm -hmm. So that'll be a good one. Okay, now on to our teachable moment. This uh, is a word that a lot of people in March heard, <laughs> and unfortunately a lot of people on the East Coast and New England uh, probably hated. Yep. They deal with these all the time. Nor'easter. Oh, yeah, I grew up in Nor'easter <laughs> land. <laughs> Nor'easter land and lake effect snow land. You got exactly. like double whammy of all the snow. <laughs> um, so basically, I because I have had people, you know, if you're not from New England, um, or when when networks or national news start to pick mm -hmm. up these big weather events like nor'easters, yeah. um, you may be like, what is it? So it's basically just an impactful East Coast storm. Um, but the reason it gets that like kind of like termed name is because for the coastal communities, because it's an area of low pressure and there's counterclockwise flow, mm -hmm. the wind to the coastal communities is coming in from the northeast. So yeah. they call it a nor'easter but it's basically just a rapidly intensifying area of low pressure. It's a storm system. Um, you basically get it to start developing, and it travels northeast. So you may get the load to either develop on land, go offshore, and then as it pulls that moisture from the ocean, it'll continue to intensify. Yeah, It's not a hurricane, but some people will look at it on satellite imagery and I mean, they could be very large, sprawling, low pressure systems. Well, yeah. And you know? it, it, we get uh, the, the jet stream that's dipping down. It's pulling yep. that cold air. It's colliding with that Gulf moisture, like you said, and it's intensifying that low pressure. And if the elements and the ingredients are just right, sometimes it could go through, which the first nor'easter that we talked about in that three um, in the late February into March yes. uh, went through bombogenesis. Yes. And you heard the term bomb cyclone. Right. Now, that is different from a nor'easter but the nor'easter went through bombogenesis right. and that dropped uh the pressure of the low pressure center dropped more than 24 millibars in 24, in 24 hours. hours yes um and when that happens you're increasing the wind speed mm -hmm. the intensity of the storm the longevity of the storm yes. and because it is riding up the coast it gets all of that moisture just like a you hurricane yep as long as it's out over open water it just feeds the storm and helps it to grow and uh, you know growing up in the northeast like i said these are things that we we see all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, it may be getting more traction now because it appears that there's, you know, one right after the other, right after yes. the other. Like my parents, the last nor'easter picked up 14 inches of snow. Gosh. And, you know, yeah. but, but it's not anything new. Yeah, these are what is the weather pattern yeah. for them that they they are it's typical. I think mm -hmm. it's September through April, I'm pretty sure is the time frame when yeah. these are very, you know, they're prevalent and and common. Um, I do remember though with the the mid March nor'easter that part of their concern as well was that a it was pretty long lived. I mean, yeah. these aren't like in and out. Sometimes they take more than one day to hit a certain mm -hmm. spot, or they may get blocked out by another system, so yeah. they don't necessarily move up the northeast coast and then exit. And this was going to impact. I think it was almost three high yeah, you tides. you said three high tides. Which is insane. So you're getting, you know, that mm -hmm. onshore movement of the water when there's also a high tide. And then that's when you can get, I'm assuming, yeah. some major coastal flooding or the threat of Absolutely. It. You get this onslaught of that northeasterly wind. And especially along Long Island where, you know, when I was back in New York, I covered Long Island. You not only have the... Um, the Atlantic 
hitting the south side of Long Island, you've got the sound on the north side, and it really just, you know, pummels the shorelines there. And as more and more people continue to move to the coast, you know, it's not even nor'easters where we see the impacts, you know, hurricane season as well. We're going to start seeing more and more of these stories and seeming like these storms are bigger and bigger because they're impacting more people. That's very, very good point. Yes, the higher the population gets in coastal communities, the more people are impacted. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of like with most of, I feel like, a lot of the weather phenomena, it's not that it's becoming more frequent. It's just that people have phones now, like yeah. cold air funnels. I always think of oh, them. Yeah. They've always been around, but you have a phone now and you could take a picture yep. of this event and wonder why it's so frequent. And it's just, well, no, they've been around. So. They've been around and, and they'll come back and they'll continue to do what they do. Yeah. So that's what a nor'easter is, guys. You've definitely heard a lot about it in the month of March. I'm mm-hmm. sorry to everyone that has been impacted by mm-hmm. the nor'easters this year um, because there have just been so many tons of snow, coastal flooding. Ooh, wind damage it's a mess it is it's like a hurricane in the middle of winter yes so we've have a few episodes now Mm -hmm. for you to listen to if if you're just joining us and this might be your first episode um you could go back and listen to all of the others Mm -hmm. that we have done each time we try to get someone different into interview to talk about all things meteorology um several different ways that you can listen to this so whether that is on stitcher whio.com apple itunes or google play Please make sure that you subscribe on Apple iTunes. Mm-hmm. And we can't forget to mention, McCall, don't forget to rate us. Oh, be gentle, yes. but give us a rating. Give us, write us a review. We'll read them. Let yeah. us know what you think of the podcast. Yeah. And you can find our bios on whio.com. In our bios, there is our email address yep. or a someplace that you can click um send us questions yes because we would love to see your questions so that we can do more teachable moments that are geared towards things that you're asking yep um if there's a guest maybe that you know you would suggest and you know we could try and reach out you know we're fairly new at this yeah i don't know how cool we are to get (laughs) anyone really that big but we can reach out so but we are going to be reaching out to some of the other uh chief meteorologists at our other stations hoping to get them on or some other mets at our other stations because we've got a few across the country and we could talk a little bit more about what's going on in that area. Yes. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.